0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant and the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might get winning here for Wolves, blasts in the shot, what a goal! Fully the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory, at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is, is The 77, 77 Club.
1: Oh. We're Wolves, eh? we? Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials. The Wall 77 Club on Facebook and Instagram, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter. Please follow us on Spotify, iTunes. Please write and subscribe on your podcast feeds. And Jack Williams is here. Hi, everybody.
3: We will start with the Europa League action, which saw Wolves run out 1-0 winners over Slovan Bratislava. Go over the team very quickly for you. Rui Patricia and goal. Dendonka, Cody Kilman at the back. Doherty, Neves, Matinho, Vinagre, Traore, Jimenez, Nato. Harry, strong team, needed the three points, got them in the end. I think you said we made hard work of it, but we got the right result.
1: Yeah, um, very, very flat night at the Molineux. Um, Quite boring. Sloven fans made themselves heard and I didn't think it was going to happen but then obviously one of their players got injured and he was down for bloody ages, 12 minutes added on, I kind of looked at you and that got announced and thought should we just go to beat the traffic but we didn't, we stayed in there (laughs) and uh, we got the goal in the end didn't we Um, and it's a huge win, it takes us within a point of qualifying for the knockout stages and yeah, that's about it. It was a it was a poor atmosphere, wasn't it? And uh, quite a boring game, but I'm just glad we won.
3: It was a huge win in terms of omens as well, because it was a third consecutive game in a row where we've taken the win. Which was last time we did that was the opening six in the 71-72 UEFA Cup campaign. Obviously, got to the final that season, uh, losing to Spurs. We i not talked about that, uh, Jack. For you watching on a, a third consecutive one, you've actually watched all three what live. Are you about? <laughs>
2: Oh, all three wins, you're on about. Now, actually, no, I haven't yeah. cause I, I wasn't at Bratislava, was I? I was going to give so, you the
3: chance to just gloss over that then.
2: <laughs> 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 no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, call me out for the plastic that I am. So, no, yeah, obviously I've, there's two away games. Yes, I wasn't at Molyneux to watch the home game against Bratislava. I watched it on TV. Um, but you know, I don't. It's bad, but we said this just before we came on. I completely forgotten about the Bratislava game because everything's just been talking about Villa yeah. and obviously the build up to Villa, the result of Villa, and everything after Villa. So um, I've kind of forgotten about it. Obviously, the two talking points from that game really were how late we scored and the injury to their player with Jimenez, and it was it, Jimenez did really well, and I just after he did that injury and it looked quite bad on the telly they didn't show it straight away but when they did it, it, it absolutely proper, properly oh, yeah. smacked him you guys from the North Bank probably couldn't couldn't see it that well at the time but he mm. did properly the guy must have been out cold for a few seconds and he was in the recovery position and you can tell Jimenez felt really bad and you just sort of sort of thought now like oh their fans will hate Jimenez if he just goes and scores now which is exactly what he did yeah. straight away
3: <laughs> So, are you saying but, that we shouldn't have been singing let him die
2: is that what you're saying <laughs> uh, may, 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 maybe not maybe that might, no. have been a, might have been a Pretty bit harsh because it, it was maybe. a bit of a
1: Jog my memory, actually, Jack, because I completely forgot about that. Like you said, you forgot him. I watched it back after, and I thought, bloody, yeah, it must have been bad because obviously he was down for that long. And God, it he did didn't half wallop him, didn't he? With that overhead kick, that was uh, pretty harsh. Yeah, and I think, like you say, you got to give credit to him and because, I mean, even when he scored, in his celebration, he didn't celebrate, did he? Because I think he still felt bad for what happened. So that well, yeah. proves the man he-, he is. But yeah, fair play for him to carry on and have, have a straight head after doing that. That must uh, make you feel a bit bad, doesn't it? He nearly killed the bloke, Ruben Neves misses a penalty
3: and it ended a run of 14 converted spot kicks for Wolves in all competitions in a row and it was never obviously the missed against Sheffield United when he hit the bar in September 2017. It begs the question, doesn't it, Jack, of who should be taking penalties? Yevanes.
1: Yeah.
2: I thought Jimenez should have been taking it on the on the day as well. I mean, Jimenez's success rate is ridiculous. I think he might have missed one in his career or something like that. You might have the stat there, Sam. I don't know, but his his success rate is incredible. Obviously, Neves's was really good as well. But Jimenez, you just don't ever think he's going to miss because he's just so focused and so composed. So I think um, I think Jimenez has been taking the most from lately anyway, which is why I think it was more of a shock to see Neves taking that one. But maybe I don't know. He gets one in three or something. I don't know what their agreement might be.
1: I don't think, don't quote me on this, but I don't think Neves has been on the pitch when Jimenez has been taking them. So I think Neves yeah, right. has always been a main penalty taker, but obviously when he's not on the pitch, Jimenez takes him. So maybe switch it up now. Maybe make Jimenez take him, as we say.
2: I said in Nuno's comments after the game, it seems like he was sort of said that they would, the next one will be taken by Raul, whether that means mm. that he's just switching or whether it means they it, I'm not sure. But I'd rather see Raul take him, to be honest.
1: It was just a comfortable hope for the keeper, wasn't it? He, I mean, he struck it okay. and to the Obviously he went to a corner, but pretty decent save, but he's got to be a bit more lethal from there, hasn't he, really?
3: I think you would always back him to score from outside the box, wouldn't you, Neves? But it seems
1: that he has the most trouble inside it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he played well against them the game after, so we can't uh, go too hard. But I'm just looking at the stats here. We had 20-odd shots. They had six. We had 65% possession. It was just one of them nights where it was side to side. We couldn't break down a team that was performing out of their skin because it's a bit of a big day out for them. Their fans have been smashing Wolverhampton up before the game, all excited, so... Yeah, fair play to Slovan. They made it a little bit difficult, but we knew we could beat them. We'd send them in the away game and we got there in the end. You've got to
2: give a a shout out to Slovan's keeper actually on that as well, just jumping in there because uh, he made some great saves. He would have been gutted to lose his clean sheet so late on. Mm. That one from Matino in the first half that was sort of uh, took a deflection and he had to change his footing and just jump to the other side. That was a really good save. So I think we've learned from this trip and playing Slovan twice is they're no mugs at all. We thought they were the weakest team in the group. They were ranked the weakest team in the group, but they're certainly not the worst team in the group by a long shot. So we did really well to get the job done. And let's be honest, I think we're through now.
3: Yeah, I was going to say how important is that three points, Harry, in, in the grand grand scheme of the group of K, which is Sporting Braga at the top. You have got Wolves in second on nine points, uh, Bratislava on four. Besiktas still pointless after four games. So yeah, Braga leading with ten points. It's it, it's and it's it's a fight for the first spot, isn't it, in that return leg?
1: Yeah, um, well it was huge, because as we know, if we don't if we lose to Slovan, we, we go third, and, and then we're chasing, trying to get into the top two, and it becomes a bit squeaky bum time then, but the win's huge, as you say, like one point needed to qualify, if we go and win away in Braga, then we're laughing really, aren't we, it's, it's over, so it was a big win, Um, and it was going to be difficult, and they are a surprise package we did say, they'll, they'll probably end up coming fourth, but they've had some good wins, and so it was an important win when you look at it like that, and it's always edging that
3: odd goal as well as it's really important for those teams that we found difficult to break down last season. Now we're coming away with those fine margin wins, Jack.
2: Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's good that we keep going as well. I mean it's two late goals. Then obviously I know the Bratislava uh, goal was only in like the third of twelve minutes of injury time, but technically two stoppage time goals. You know, Basiktas and uh, and uh, um, what they called Bratislava. Sorry. You know, there's two late goals there that we've yeah, all earned yeah. us an extra four points. That you know, where the game could have could have gone the other way, and obviously we came from behind away at Bratislava to to get it. So we, we've really had to dig in at times in this group, and now it's reaping its rewards. And I do think we're through now because people keep saying we need a point to get through, but we also I don't think also Bratislava will need to win both their games to take our place, won't they? Yeah. So it's 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 a near certainty I think that we're going to get through now, particularly if Braga and us have to play each other in the next game away at Braga, knowing that a point will take both teams through I think it's got draw written all over it straight <laughs> away if I'm honest with you I'm not too bothered about which position we qualify in because I'd fancy us against whoever and just you know even if it's a Champions League team fair enough let's 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 bring them on yeah, but um, it's good and what I want us to do now is just really focus on the league so that ideally by the time we get to January or February when this, this uh, competition comes round again we're all but safe and we can actually really properly focus on it without having that pressure of looking over our shoulder
3: and obviously you're both quite confident about progressing through to the last 16. Has anybody looked at any of the teams that look like they're going
1: to be progressing? I haven't, actually. I haven't really looked. Um, But what I will say is, I don't mind, as Jack kind of alluded to there, if we do get a really decent team with underdogs, I won't mind that, because our counter-attacking style, especially away in Europe, will suit us to a T. So if we end up getting a team that we're expected to beat and with the favourites, I reckon we're more likely to go out. And that sounds stupid, but the way we counterattack the big teams that come at us we can, do, we can We can. go really far in this competition even if we're underdogs in all the knockout games we're going to.
2: There was a post on Molyneux Mix actually which sort of uh, laid all this out and was looking at the teams that were currently in the third place in the Champions League. So I think if we win the group we don't play a Champions League team. If we finish second there's a chance we might play a Champions League team or a fairly decent chance. Um, and it was sort of laying out the teams that were currently in, in third in their groups and there was no ne- big name there that I was particularly immediately scared of. We also can't play an English team in this round if we get through and obviously we can't play Braga because they've come through the same group as us so um, I suppose you've got to look at who's in the top two of the other groups really Um, I'm not sure.
3: I've got one that might tickle your fancy which is FC Copenhagen. Oh. And Stullis Solbecken is <laughs> manager, and Nicholas Bentner is there too. So, uh, two foes from uh, Wolves' past, two for, well, completely different reasons, really. But I guess it's a case of watch this space, and whatever happens, it's going to be exciting. And Harry was <laughs> saying to you the other day we're missing those games where we are the slight underdogs completely agree with you there because it almost adds to the atmosphere when we go in Mm. with that label because it's almost like these teams from Crusaders I mean, Torino were a little bit different because they were slightly more unknown and it was the excitement of potentially getting to the group stage, which I think probably took over that occasion. But Crusaders, Punic and teams like that, we're always expected to go out and beat them. And I think that does add to, yeah, uh, to a pretty dour atmosphere, especially at Molyneux. So it'd be really, really exciting to get a known team, but one where we're just slight, slight underdogs. So we'll, uh, we'll watch this space. Uh, we'll turn our attention now to the Premier League and it was a Midlands derby and lots of talk on Twitter and amongst family members uh, about this one, and it was Aston Villa at home.
1: Hi, I'm Steve Ball, and you're
3: listening to The 77 Club. We had to beat them. Just for our own sanity, and the build-up had been talking about how brilliant John McGinn is, how much of a different class Jack Grealish is, and when it came down to it, actually, Harry, I think without Jack Grealish in that side... And the form of Tyrone Mings, because I think he is the difference, and I hate to say it, but I think it is true, that Aston Villa have got a real chance of getting relegated
1: (laughs) off that performance. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we didn't just beat them, we bloody battered them, like from start to finish we were all over them everyone was brilliant I mean you mentioned McGinn there did he even play like did he even turn up I can't even remember him doing anything Like, it was, he was
3: in Matinho's pockets yeah, I think
1: it was just so easy I mean I mean, we put out the joke didn't we after the game that the Villa fans were nice to do the 90 minute silence they hardly generated any atmosphere <laughs> which you can't blame them because the, what they were watching must have been painful because we just played them off the park I mean we could have won that game 5-1 at least Jimenez Traore Jota Neves Matinho it was just so fluid I mean I'm I'm just going to oh, I'm just going to suck him off again. Traore this season has been our best player <laughs> by far. He was skinning them on toast. He was just unbelievable that bloke. The improvement from last year is just it's absolutely crazy and Ever since Jack said he can't hit the side of a Renault x he just flew into life, hasn't he, <laughs> a few weeks ago before Man City. So, unbelievable stuff and just what a win. Incredible day, wasn't it? It was
2: an absolutely brilliant performance and we, we were so, so much better than them. Yeah. i tell you what, Jack Grealish must be one hell of a player <laughs> if he's cari- if he's carrying that team like, like they say he is. Because I, they look like relegation fodder, yeah. honestly. And... It, it just goes back even before and after you just get these deluded Villa fans and even with the guy who was on the podcast last week I sort of got the impression that he was saying oh you know uh, Jimenez wouldn't get in our team over Wesley and (laughs) Wesley was the one who couldn't hit the side of a bloody run out of (laughs) spats on on, on Sunday but we were just so well drilled we were brilliant and, and really good I yeah Troy, Troy, as you know, I've always sung his praises. Brilliant. And he's just he's been outstanding this season. He's, he was he's just scared to death of them. He was running past them like they weren't there. The only criticism that I'm going to have is we should have scored more goals when we were on top. First half, we battered them and they were lucky to go in at it just being 1-0. Yeah. And second half they improved a little bit and I thought we still looked at the threat or most likely to score by, by a country mile so we got it to 2-0 it's game over and then somehow they get a goal from nowhere the only criticism, criticism is we shouldn't have even given them that goal mm-hmm. they were lucky to yeah. get a goal 2-1 flatters them so badly that should have been like Harry said 4 or 5-1 and then we still have just that 30 seconds of thinking oh god this can't happen they can't get back in this after we battered them for two games no, so no the only criticism i'll have it was such a great performance everyone was brilliant is that we when we played that well in the game we should be seeing it out completely comfortably without not even thinking at the back of our minds that we could end up losing two points there but yeah they're they're absolutely they're the poorest team we've seen this season they're definitely the poorest team. Actually, they're, they're probably in all competitions. I think Crusaders would have given them a one for their money <laughs> uh, on Sunday. So, right. um, honestly, it's right, just yeah. it's on it's just fits in with the deluded Villa, ma- Villa mentality. They, you know, some of them are spouting they were going to finish top four at the start of the season, and they are in a relegation battle. And luckily for them, they're beating the teams around them. But. Looking through their stats, so I wasn't on last week because I had a computer failure just before, but they've let in something like 50% of their goals in the last 10 minutes of games, mm. and they're letting another one. So they obviously just switch off when it's late on. And so if they keep doing that, then you know they're going to be in, in real trouble. And you know, shockingly, they might not be challenging for Champions League football like they thought they'd be.
1: <laughs> it's astounding. A They'll probably win the League Cup and get into Europe anyway. <laughs> I just wish at the end, can you remember right at the end when they had a bit of pressure on a strong and Neto went on that mad run? If he'd have just squared that to Catrone, the south bank, the roof would have come off the place. Oh, yeah. so I was gutted he didn't square that. It was a great run, though. That would have been the ocean on the cake. But, yeah, I mean, you think back, you, you mentioned Mings earlier. Um, can you remember the, the free kick that set up Nevers' goal when Traore just absolutely flew past him? He took him out, didn't he? Which, uh, created yeah, did. That free did. I'd yeah. love to see that. I think that might have what caused Traore's little niggle. Because he, he carried an injury, didn't he, after that. But he still played well, but... Obviously, we know he's got a slight knock on his foot now. But yeah, we just absolutely destroyed him. It was crazy. It's um, the, the best I've seen them three combined. Jota, Jimenez and Traore. It was scary. I mean, the defenders must have woke up with a bloody headache the next day.
3: I was just going to bring Jota in because obviously Traore has a little bit more freedom when you've got someone just as tenacious on the other wing, haven't you, Jack? Where he, you know, he just gets the ball at his feet and he's going to run at you, just like he did at, at Molyneux back in the championship winning season. And you know he, he's looking on form again. It's great to see.
2: Yeah, definitely. When you've got an outlet like that on both sides, obviously the link at play between Traore and Doherty just looks like they're they're properly getting on the same wavelength now and it's looking really, really good. But when you've got it and it can go down both sides, it really is dangerous. And, you know, Jota in his last few games, he's done some really, really good runs and probably uh, just not got the uh, reward that he sort of deserves, really. So it it will come good and he'll he'll do one of those runs into the box at some point and just slot it in the net or score some great goals. Obviously, he had a couple of chances uh, on Sunday, but everyone was switched on and we just looked so much more up for it than they did, which will obviously disappoint them. I mean when it's a derby like that, it doesn't matter whether you're going in as the underdogs or the favourites. You can't really moan if you go in and you think your team have properly tried, but they were just, they were so poor. They were unorganised. There was wayward passing and it was just attack, of, particularly in the first half. They just didn't know what to do. There were sixes and sevens. We were just, as soon as they tried to break and, and create something of their own, the ball was back at them and we were yeah. running at them again. And um, going back to also just to their defending, you think about that, the Nevers goal, which obviously was a great goal. Everybody in the stadium knew that Nevers was going to hit that ball. Apart from their defence, <laughs> yeah, every everybody, he, he was even already doing the little run up and stepping <laughs> on his toes, and still, no none of the Villa, Villa players thought to like step out the box and mark him. Literally, uh, people were saying it around, just like Nevers is going to hit this, Nevers will hit this. Everyone hit it, and Nevers hit it, and he was yeah, it.
3: and he did, and he absolute pile driver. Great but goal. the man that set him up, Harry, I think he would be my shout for the man in the match. It may not quite be yours, Jamatinio. He is absolutely everywhere, and for, for a guy of thirty three years old, it's just incredible to see it.
1: Yeah, he broke up the play. He was getting stuck in his usual, just incredible. And obviously, we got a shout out Nevers as well. He's had his critics this year. He's probably one of the best offs in in play. He was a bit getting forward a lot more, which we wanted to see and yeah Martinho, well he's, he's always well obviously has the odds quiet game but he's always pretty much 8 out of 10 for me he's an incredible player with great experience and he just drives that team on and when he ain't there you know he ain't there so I can see why you say that but if I'm going to go for my man of the match I'm going go for Traore again the, the bloke he can't do no I wrong for me thought you might he can't do no wrong for me at the moment but <laughs> <laughs> um- Jack,
3: Sace came in at the back. Pretty solid deform, uh, performance uh, from the back three, although I would say I think Sace's temperament mainly looking at because that early yellow card and then you, you're just mm. treading on eggshells all the time, and especially in a local derby when you try, want to try and get into them.
2: Yeah, I thought that was a bit harsh on Sace actually to get booked because they had quite a few players... Uh, that got booked quite early on. I think he just sort of, you know, tried to level it up. But I think it was Sayce's first foul. We've said before that Says has a silly foul on him, though. We're talking about defence, though. Big shout out to Den Donker. I think he's been so good yeah. lately. He was very, very, very good on Sunday. If you're looking for a, a, a like a non-Triore or Jimenez or Neves man of the match, then you've got to look at that from a defensive point of view because he's got him back in there. He looks comfortable there. He offers that bit of extra height that we're missing with Bolly, And, uh, you know, obviously he can push forward into midfield when, when when Bennett came on and just to offer that sit in front of the defence. So I think he's done really well. And I was really, really worried, like every Wolves fan would be when you basically lost Bolly, your best defender. But we still look well drilled and hard to score against. So, you know, that's a credit to the team and credit to the squad depth that we didn't really think we had.
3: And in terms of the importance of the three points and the importance of the bragging rights, is it right up there so far this oh, season, man. Harry?
1: Yeah, like, I, I forgot to mention that. Obviously... Looking at the table before the game, we win, we go up to where we are, like eighth, we lose, we get sucked into where Villa are, don't we? I think they come level or above us, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what it was. They would have gone above yeah, us. Yeah, so in terms of that, that I was like, that's why he was a bit nervy, wasn't it, before the game, but as soon as the way we started, the nerves went. So yeah, huge win, mate. It's like I know we've said it a few times with like the late equaliser away at Palace, but it does feel like a little bit of a turning point in our season at this stage, doesn't it? Where we're going to kick on really well in the league and obviously the Europa League win as well. It's been a crazy few days and two massive wins. Has the international break come at a good time, Jack? Yeah, I think it has. I think... um when we're playing as many games as we
2: are and we are performing, it has come at a good time. Obviously, the thing thing's a bit weird. Obviously, he got called up and then had to immediately drop out because he's taken a knock, which probably, you know, obviously suits us. The last thing we want when he's our form player is him going away and making an injury worse. Uh, so It's unfortunate for him, but hopefully they can get him all fixed up in time before the Bournemouth game. And I think we take our breaks now as and when we need them. So, so yeah, why not? One thing I've actually been really impressed with is when everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, Wolves are going to struggle playing in Thursday and then playing on Sunday. Our results after playing in Europe on a Thursday night have been really good. Yeah. We've, yeah. Beaten Villa, yeah, we've beaten Villa, we've beaten yeah. Man City, we've got a, a draw against Newcastle. Like, we, we, it doesn't matter when we play, we're hard to beat. If anything, I think probably our, our results when we haven't been playing in Europe have been a bit worse. <laughs> but I don't, I don't haven't looked at it properly, but it's just, it's just not happened and, this this team and this squad and Nuno, they just they don't care about like um, the past or, or trends or these sort of things. They make their own history and they make then they obviously just believe in their ability and they take they take every game as it comes in their stride and it's it's just so impressive and the fact now that we are we're, the table is looking like where it should be. The only frustrating point, again, because I'm, you know, you always have to have a moan about something. <laughs> if we'd have turned some of those draws into a win, we would be flying oh, now? Man, if we had a few man. extra points, we had we had a unbeaten in seven, which is brilliant. But some of those one ones, if we'd edged them two one, if we'd have got that goal at Leicester, we could have got an extra two points there, and we'd be we'd be sitting, you know, in the top six comfortably. But it just shows that we can do that now, and we need to just take that performance from Sunday and take it into this game, you know, the next game at Bournemouth and and thereafter, we've got a run a very very winnable. Premier League games now right up until probably Spurs but even then it's Spurs at home just before Christmas and what, there's no reason why we can't beat them the way they've started but up until then we've got we've got a run of games where we should be looking to get points from all of them and I, I honestly believe we can particularly now I think we can take our foot off the pedal a little bit in Europe particularly if we're just going to Braga and get a point it's done then and then we'll we'll regroup in the new year
3: Harry, out of those, I think it's the next four games which look pretty tasty in the league, which is Bournemouth away, Sheffield United at home, West Ham at home and Brighton away. Is that
1: a a nine-point run? It is, but when we went into the Southampton-Newcastle games, I was thinking, yep, six points, but it's Wolves, isn't it? So, we don't know. We'll probably (laughs) end up losing two out (laughs) of the four, and draw the other two. You don't know. Um, But we are capable of beating all those teams, aren't we, on our day? I mean a nine points minimum is what you'd on paper you'd say but as I say I don't know I don't know uh, Bournemouth away tricky place to go we drew 1-1 there last year we can beat them I mean you've got to be beating Sheffield United at home famous last words and yeah a couple of others are winnable as well but in let's fifth see. In the league,
2: they've, they've done so well though Sheffield United they have, they've, yeah, they've exceeded yeah. all expectations I, a lot of people were saying including myself I thought they were just going to be relegation fodder and just up for a season but uh, the teams that have been promoted they're, they're yeah. doing by far the best
3: You do say that, but I remember that season where Hull were about fourth this time of year <laughs> and got relegated so I wouldn't be surprised if they did, did exactly the same did
2: Blackpool do it as well yeah they started off, similar thing they were, yeah, they yeah.
3: A good, good start um, but all we all we hope are that the players come back from international duty unscathed and that's Neves Martinho Jota Patricio they're all with Portugal uh, Ruben Vinagre and Pedro Neto they are with the under 21s of Portugal Jimenez. he's got a lot of travelling to do ah. playing for Mexico Matt Doherty's in the Ireland squad Romain Sace. Dendonca and Catrone are the other threes. Catrone in for the Italy under-21s. So, um, we move on then to um, some other stuff. I guess because it, it's the international break, we we'll talk a little bit about England, but I think it's been slightly overshadowed what happens into this international break is, is those rivalries between the two top teams in England that boil over when they meet up for international duty, and that's between Joe Gomez and Raheem Sterling. And Harry lots of people saying it's a passionate game it runs high sometimes but there's quite a bit of time between that game and England training for that to happen What do you think it was just banter that went too far?
1: Well what I will say is at least Sterling cares do you know what I mean? Like, at least he cares at least he was passionate mm-hmm. enough to still be fuming about it when they met up on the Monday I believe in the training I mean we don't know exactly what happened so I think they kept a lot of it behind but Gomez had a big scratch on his face I think it was more than handbags Um, whether It got leaked, I don't know, but I think it was pretty poor how public it's gone and Southgate talking about it so much, but I'd be fuming if I was Sterling, to be honest, but it must have been really bad for him to get dropped and if his relationship with Southgate is now tarnished, he's arguably our best player for England, so obviously we don't need him against Montenegro, but yeah, I think it was handled pretty poorly. I think it's Southgate's first mistake he's made uh, since being England manager and they probably should have tried to keep it behind closed doors and I'm sure there's a lot of things like that, that happens throughout the throughout clubs and international that never gets out but unfortunately it got out this time. Do you think when they're two high-profile players
3: like that and something happens, and it's not just in amongst a squad of 25 players, because th- to my knowledge thus far, it was something that happened in the canteen. So mm-hmm. you have people working in the canteen who see it, yeah. who have nothing to do with England, they can sell the story. Jack, is it actually a case of... Trying to have some control over the situation by preparing a statement, getting the media ready, and then releasing it in your own time. Maybe I mean it's a lose-lose situation, and whatever's
2: happened, I think you have to just look at the, the professionals and the two people who you know were involved in that. You have to just look and say, look, you represented your country. Now I know, I know, obviously temp- uh, temperatures must be high and uh, emotions must be running high, but you know, you need to. Well, if you want to play for England, you should be able to. You should have to uh, hold yourself to really, really high standards, and it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in the canteen or whether there's been a, a big game the week before. But you know, I know they're really young and young, and you know, always learning. But what you're going to do? You, you, you
3: should you should be more professional.
1: They squashed it fairly quick as well, didn't they? Like straight away on Instagram, they'd made up so.
3: It's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't really see it with the other. So, so like when, when Spain and Germany get together and you've obviously got big rivalries there, do you think it's because mostly actually in those countries it's more of a you're either Madrid or Barcelona yeah, yeah. or you're, you're Dortmund or Bayern and, and that's it? Whereas th- there's a lot more um, competition going on within the Premier League in terms of, you mean, Man United. Uh, Arsenal to some degree but also the top two of Manchester City and Liverpool as well what can you do to I guess is is the the England manager more about man management as much as it is anything else
1: yeah well You look back to the golden generation, you see them all come out and speak now, like Gerard Lampard and all that, whenever they've been interviewed. They said it was always clicky, like the Man United players to sit together, the Chelsea players to sit together, etc, etc. So it's a pretty hard thing to do, isn't it? I mean, we've always got the talent, but if the team can't play together, it's not going to work. But this new crop of lads, especially in the World Cup in 2018, seemed like they had a really good bond together, even though they play for rival clubs. But it's the first time something like this has come out and... I don't know how you manage it. I mean, Southgate must have experienced it when he played throughout the 90s and that. He was in obviously in the 96 Euros and whether he thinks it's the right thing to do, he obviously does, getting rid of Sterling for one match, but I think it's wrong and how you deal with it, I mean, if we knew that, we'd have probably won a World Cup a few more since 1966, <laughs> so I don't know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's difficult, isn't it? And I suppose we'll, we'll never really know the whys and wherefores of, of what happened, but... If you don't send him home, what sort of precedence does that set? If, if he's hit him and he hasn't hit him back, you have to send him home,
1: don't you? Um, you have to. Maybe. What do you do? Can you, do, yeah. you do you they? then do you then start him? It's hard. It's a it's a tough one. But I think because they I suppose you it do it. And it's it, and Danny Murphy was on Talksport and he said he's seen so many things like this happen. And like I said, just it never gets out. But they made up quick. He apologised quick. It was a heat of the moment. Um, I don't know. I don't know.
2: In situations like this, you've got to ask, what would Mick McCarthy do? He'd he'd send, you him send him home. Send him home, wouldn't he? Send him home. Doesn't matter <laughs> if he's your uh, best player.
1: I said, funny <laughs> thing on Twitter, I think Paddy Power put on and said, if Sam Allardyce was manager, he'd have gone to fight again and took bets of all the players to see who would win. <laughs> 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 so, so true. Um, from talking about the Golden
3: Generation, and remember that would have been Frank Lampard, he is, of course, the manager of Chelsea. And his fines have uh, were surfaced this week taken from the Chelsea dressing room. And I just want to talk to you about what you think of fines and if they work. We've all been in situations where we, we've played sport. Some have had to try harder than others, Jack, obviously. But th- they do play a part, don't they? And we just look at late for a match day or first team departure, two and a half grand. Uh, late for reporting for training, two and a half grand, plus two and a half grand for every 15 minutes afterwards. Late for the gym in pre-activation, whatever that is, that's a thousand pounds. If you get if you're late for the start of training, that's twenty grand, which is actually sort of much more than missing the first team departure. But so I don't know if these quite make sense. Uh, not reporting illness or injury day before or an hour and thirty minutes before training will set you back ten thousand pounds. Now these are sort of eye-watering amounts of money for normal people, but when we see these kind of fines do you think they're a good thing or do you think god they really are just getting paid too much money
1: um what i will say straight away obviously professional footballers very talented very fortunate the position they're in they've obviously worked hard to get there i think less than one percent of people who try and become footballers get there but if you're training about three hours a day from 10 o'clock in the morning to one in the afternoon, if you're ever late, I mean, that is shocking. Like, I mean, you've got to be in at 10 o'clock. So, but obviously they are. That's why the fines are there. But I think it's brilliant. I think you've got to be have discipline like that, especially at the top level. I mean, I remember back in the day when Roy Keane was Sunderland manager and a couple of his players missed the coach, didn't they, for a away game. I mean, he fined them about a month's wages and they were in the squad for about a month. So some managers are obviously harsher than others. The only time I've ever heard of stories of fines is like on podcasts and things like that so they seem to work and if they didn't have any fines at all obviously you'd have a bunch of players that didn't care and they'd do what they want. Well it goes back to actually
2: the point just about just being professional when you're getting paid that much money you shouldn't have to be like have that hung hanging over you that you'll be fined if you're late for work, particularly like Harry said, we are only doing three, four or five hours work a day. So it's, it's a shame that it even has to be there, but I suppose, I suppose potentially, yeah, maybe it does. My question would be though, when you're earning that much money and money means nothing to you, Is a two and a half grand grand fine going to make a difference to anything as an individual? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like dropping two quid or, you know, to to a normal person. So the question then is how do you actually punish people? And I think rather than having a long list of fines, you should punish people by not saying they're not going to play or not going to make it at the club or this, this and that. But then again, when you've got egos of people who are, you know, 150 grand a week players who know they could just probably waltz onto any other Champions League club they wanted to. It's, it's a really difficult one and I suppose you have to lay down the law in some way and in a financial way is the way to do it, but and again I'm sceptical to whether it actually works with, with certain individuals. I
1: mean I story a story as sure as just shot into my head. Uh, Ross McCormack for Aston Villa. I can't I think it was I can't remember who was on Talksport talking about it. the next Villa Manager. I think it was Steve Bruce. I think it's Steve Bruce actually. So he said that Ross McCormack signed for Villa, hated it there, and he'd just ring up every morning and be like, Boss, my electric gate's broke, I won't be in today and he did it for a week. <laughs> He did it for a week solid. And in the end, Steve Bruce went round with like a person to fix the gate himself and get into training. Like that sort of attitude. Maybe they need fights. You know what I mean? That can't be true. It's a true story. It? That is All looking right. up. That's, I'm telling that's, you
2: that. that's that's just that sort of epitomizes what I was saying. It's just disgraceful. My really. gate's
1: broke. If, can't come into if training. You, if,
2: if you sign a contract and say you'll do a job, you should be there on time. You should go and do what you're paid for. And, and you know, it's, and also represent yourself well in the community and be an actual professional. That's the sort those are the sort of stories that make people sick and give football as a, and football itself a bad name in my opinion.
3: Also, if you're a younger player and you're on ten grand a week and you get fined five grand, that's fifty percent of your wage. If you're one of the high earners and arguably like Jack said, one of those with a higher ego, in terms of percentages, you're actually playing you're actually paying less yeah. than everybody else. Should it be done on, on percentage of wages?
2: Probably should, yeah. I, I, I was that was going to be one of my questions actually, as to whether everyone who was getting paid the same got fined the same. If they do, then you know it's it's uh, a bit harsh on yeah the younger ones. But I suppose the younger ones are the ones that need to be applying themselves more. So you know if they it means they're. They're scared of getting a two and a half grand fall into their 15 minutes early to training every day. It's a good thing, isn't
1: it? Maybe that's why Chelsea are doing so well, because they've got a really young squad, haven't they, this year? Maybe mounting that and on much money. <laughs> so maybe that's why it's going so well <laughs> for all. them. Yeah. on time for everything. <laughs>
3: yeah. um, also, just another one I wanted to ask was, uh, Carl Fletcher sacked after five games at Leighton Orient. And it's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, in terms of the amount of time that you have to inject your philosophy into a squad, sort of a good third of the way through the season as well is that how long should managers be getting because I guess owners aren't they're getting more impatient aren't they Harry where oh, it's yeah. a, a results based industry but they're playing 46 games a season you can't get changing your manager every five games
1: No, yeah and that's, that's just modern day football it's been the same hasn't it for like the last decade but you think back to Alex Ferguson at Man United for the first four years he was shocking wasn't he, he they were going to get rid of him until he won the FA Cup so times have changed you're never going to get that much time anymore. Um, fans are demanding. The, the owners are obviously demanding. and It's just the way it is. Like, Look at us, Dwarves. I mean, we got rid of, obviously, uh, I forget his name now, the one who... Dean Terry Saunders. Connor? No, uh, when we got no. rid of uh, the bloke before Dean Saunders, but his name just escapes me now. Obviously, we got rid of anger as well. I think that's the same one. But yeah, just ruthless, isn't it? Especially when you've got owners of money, owners of ambition. You're out the door, unfortunately, and you're never going to get Man- uh, owners sticking with managers if they lose like five in a row—it's just not going to happen.
3: So, would there, there be a minimum game that you would want, say, for argument's sake, if Wolves are in that position, that you'd want someone to, want to be given a fair crack of the whip? And if so, how long is that crack of the whip? Oh,
1: I don't know. We'll put it this way: I didn't want um, Mick McCarthy to go when we lost five to Albion, but that's just a, that's a different story. <laughs> no. I'm I'm always quite. Um, I think I was even still back in Saunders when we got relegated <laughs> I'm always quite lenient I am I always To be you fair, to
2: you're stand. the one who wanted Lambert to yeah, stay as well Yeah, you know, I you? wanted to
1: give Lambert a chance <laughs> so I'm quite lenient with managers but as we say, modern modern age if you're not doing the business you're out the door
3: What about for you, Jack? As, like I said, it's results-based and if you don't do it in five games is, is that fair enough? No, five games is a bit ridiculous, isn't it, really? But I
2: suppose that's just part of modern football. I refuse to think it was just because of the five-game results. There must have been some other stuff going on. He must have lost the dressing room or or something. But I suppose, in the situation we're in now, how many straight defeats would it take before you wanted to get rid of Nuno?
1: Oh, man. Well, think back to that dodgy spell we had. We had bloody Wolves fans wanting his head back then, the Premier League last year, and we didn't win in six. We'd have to... That was just the morons, Aaron. That was obviously just the morons. That was just (laughs) was That was was HRH and Bayliss and these people. It's a disaster. It'd have to be about fucking 12 losses in a row or something for Nuno to go for what he's done for us, to be honest. I mean, if when he first come in and we lost the first five or something, maybe that's a different story, but with the history he's got, I think it's more for new managers, isn't it? That's when it's a bit more aggressive and they're gone early. 'Cause do you think also you do need a little
3: bit of time to adjust? Like I say, it's a third of the way through the season. It's like he's had a full pre-season under his belt and he he said, This is what I want to do. Um but actually I think I think one of his gamers in charge he actually won 4-0. But um <laughs> there you go. Um this is one of those things. Uh, we'll leave just on this note, and it's something that we wanna see yeah, we missed the fireworks at the beginning of the match, you know, they they set everyone off and themselves. And there was a team in Argentina which is Estudiantes de la Plata. They were celebrating their first match in their new stadium, and they did it with a CGI virtual reality display of a lion prowling <laughs> across the rooftop of the ground. Have you seen it, Harry? Yeah, I thought it looked yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, what, it's going to be one of those where it looks brilliant now, and in about 10 years time, it'll be like looking at old Star Wars films <laughs> and going, that just looks shit, you can see the string. Uh, but w- would you want to see that a modeling you? Everyone's saying, Jeff she just pay for it.
1: Um... I wouldn't mind it, it did look really good, didn't it? And I think it would probably happen, to be honest. That's the first thing I thought when I saw it. I thought, yep, yeah, uh, Jeff Shee's going to be all over that. I mean, anything to make the atmosphere a bit better and to uh, appeal us around the world, why not?
3: And as long as it's a wolf, obviously, yeah. prowling rather than, obviously, <laughs> with the Chinese owners and a panda picking its ass, falling off the stadium roof, it's only going to look as good. But <laughs> yeah. um, Well, that's it from us and the international break. So uh, we will say goodbye to Harry Mansell. At time
1: of recording, England are five minutes after 36 minutes. Goodbye. And uh, Jack Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye, and we'll
3: see you all next week. The 77 Club.
0: The Wolves Podcast. For the Gold and Black Army.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?